I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Last week, Calgary-based Canadian Pacific Railway finalized a $31 billion purchase of Kansas City Southern Railway that will result in a new company named Canadian Pacific Kansas City Limited. The deal, which is North America's first major merger of Class 1 railroads in 20 years, could have a noticeable impact in South Louisiana, where some of Kansas City Southern's 6,700 miles of track are located. To talk about the deal's implications, including how it may hasten the return of passenger rail service between New Orleans and Baton Rouge, we welcome John Spain, the Executive Vice President of the Baton Rouge Area Foundation and a member of the Southern Rail Commission. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. How and why did this merger happen? I think there's been an interest in consolidation. KCS was the smallest of the Class 1s. And when you look at it, what's extraordinarily significant, as you've already pointed out, is this is the first Class One railroad that actually connects uh, Canada to the United States and Mexico. And so when Kansas City Southern announced that it was up for sale, uh, Canadian National was the first company that would actually put a proposal together. This sale is pending the federal government's Surface Transportation Board having to approve it. And when it looked at the proposal that had been put together by Canadian National earlier, there were some things that concerned them. Ultimately, that offering went away and Canadian Pacific came in. And again, subject to the STB, but we expect it will happen. They put together uh, a proposal that now the Kansas City Southern Board and the CP Board have agreed on. So it's significant, as you said in your opening remarks, that it's the first time this has happened in many years, but it's also significant in that it really does connect North America, Canada, United States, and Mexico with a single rail line, which, as you can imagine, is very, very attractive uh, for the possibilities of what this railroad can do. Why is it taking so long for a merger like this to take place? Well, I think it didn't make sense uh, up until recently. Um, All of the Class 1s generally have parts of the country where they operate very profitably. It's probably fair to say that regulators in the United States did not want to see less competition. So there has been pushback by regulators over the years to say, wait a minute, we used to have dozens of railroads. We're now down to big six. And they were very reluctant to see further loss of competition. So regulators probably played a role in it. This one is rather unique. And as we've said a couple of times now, it creates a unique railroad. And I think regulators will ultimately decide that this has value, that it doesn't really hurt competition. And I suspect and hope it will get approval. Nice. All right. So how will this merger become most visible here in South Louisiana? I think there are two very important things that we ought to look forward to. Uh, One is part of the goal is to bring Canadian crude oil to the Gulf Coast ports, meaning the port of New Orleans. And I think that's a major factor that uh, played into this purchase is that they want to be able to move Canadian crude oil from the fields in in Canada down to the ports of New Orleans, Mobile, and uh, get it to a a warm water port. So I think you're going to see freight. 
that will uh, benefit the uh, Port of New Orleans. And then the, the thing that we've been working on a good bit is the restoration of passenger service that would create a passenger train that would ultimately operate between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. Right. So I read that Canadian Pacific was more receptive to the idea of passenger rail on its lines than the competing bidder. What makes one company more receptive to that idea than another? Well, I think when it comes to KCS to start with, Kansas City Southern is the only one that never had passenger rail on it. Keep in mind that these tracks are being shared with freight and passenger trains. So just logistically, if you don't have to worry about passenger trains on your line, it makes your life a little easier. So KCS had never had that, and they didn't want it. And so when we started working on this some time ago, they were always reluctant to say they would be a willing partner in creating this passenger service. On the other hand, Canadian Pacific, let's assume that the federal government approves this purchase of KCS, they operate passenger trains all over the United States in partnership with Amtrak. And the very good news from our standpoint is that on-time performance meaning that passenger train arrives where it's supposed to go on time. CP is the number one partner with Amtrak in making that happen. So we have a whole new opportunity to talk to the leadership at Canadian Pacific and say, we want to do this. And what's exciting about it is that last week in New Orleans, Canadian Pacific was part of a press conference where they announced in a very positive way that they understood Louisiana has been talking about restoring passenger service between Baton Rouge and New Orleans for many years, and they wanted to be the partner, and they wanted to work with the state to make that happen. I read that they were also considering the idea of passenger service all the way back up to Kansas City. Well, we actually talked about two or three things. At the Southern Rail Commission, we have multiple projects for rail. When we look at Louisiana, the other thing that we are excited about is that the same line that Kansas City Southern owns but would be sold to CP not only runs from New Orleans to Baton Rouge, it runs all the way to Shreveport. And one of the goals of the state have been trying to connect north and south Louisiana. And over the years, we've tried regional airlines and other things that never really worked. But Canadian Pacific owns that rail line. So at some point, we'd love to have conversations. And we mentioned this to them about using Baton Rouge to Shreveport. Or if you want to look at it, Shreveport all the way to New Orleans. It's the same train uh, train track. The other one we've talked about with them is that they own roughly 70% of the rail between Dallas, Texas, and Meridian, Mississippi. And we've said we'd like to see passenger service brought across Louisiana on a rail that basically parallels I-20. So we actually have three projects we've put on the table to have conversations with, but clearly the priority would be starting Baton Rouge, New Orleans first, or New Orleans to Baton Rouge first. All right, and obviously there is context here that's important with the current president's vocal support of trains, And then the infrastructure bill. So can you talk about the possibility of planets aligning so that this long-time dream can become a reality? Well, Rich, you you put your finger on it. I mean, what what excites us is that with CP's announcement that they want to partner with the state to create passenger rail, it's really the last piece of the puzzle, if you will. Canadian Pacific owns the tracks, and that's the route we would like to use. So the track owner has now said, we want to participate in a conversation on how we start passenger service. The state would likely contract with Amtrak. And Amtrak and CP, as I said a moment ago, work together all over the country. And Amtrak last year, as part of their own strategic plan, added Baton Rouge to New Orleans onto the map. 
which means Amtrak has made a decision that they want to support this. So you've got the track owner, you have Amtrak who would operate the train. The third piece is funding. There are improvements that have to be made, and as you just alluded to, President Biden has um, an infrastructure bill that contains literally billions of dollars for new bridges and highways, but roughly about $66 billion for inner city rail. And so there is money available in a competitive application process where the state could apply for money to actually make the improvements. And the thing that's interesting here is if you look at a new bridge in Baton Rouge or a new bridge in Lake Charles, or you look at all the congestion in New Orleans, those are separate pots of money in this bill. You can't take rail money and put it on one of those projects, and you can't take money away from a bridge and put it on rail. Each pot is a silo. So if the state is interested in doing passenger rail, it can apply for those funds without having anyone say or suggest that somehow that will take away from funding for these other highway projects. These are dedicated rail funds. So the most obvious improvement is the Bonnie Carey Spillway. And while we see the new railroad bridge next to the interstate, that's not the one owned by KCS that CP is buying. There's a wooden uh, rail trestle bridge further in, and that bridge will have to be replaced at some point, not immediately, but it's got a lower speed limit because it's an older bridge. And it's things like that that will have to be replaced. And so we now have that other piece of the puzzle in place because the federal money's there. Again, we have to apply, but we think we've got a pretty good case to make for the restoration of this service. And the history here is that lawmakers in Louisiana didn't have the funds or weren't willing to spend the money. Uh, there, there was going to be federal money, but and the state would have to match. But it sounds like right now there's some scenarios where the amount of funds we would have to match are are significantly lower than they've been in the past. So it basically there's never been a better time than now to try and do this. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, you know, you refer back to an earlier governor in the state of Louisiana that was offered $300 million many years ago to put this project in place. And for various reasons, he chose not to take it. So in this case, we have uh, a number of different pots of money that can be used for rail projects. The one that you'd want to go after is the one that's called an 80-20. That's meaning that the federal government will pay 80% of the cost and the state or private railroad could put up to 20%. So that's very attractive. There are other pots of money that require a 50-50 match. But, you know, the significant dollars are 80-20 that can be used to um, put these projects where they need to be from an infra infrastructure standpoint. And, yes, you do have to identify a local match. But as you point out, with 80-20, it's much less than what having to come up with a 50-50 match would be. It's very attractive federal money. Attractive for sure. Can I ask for a quick history lesson? I read that we had passenger service between New Orleans and Baton Rouge up until 1969. What happened? People forget that the freight trains that we see all day long ran passenger service all across this country. You see it in the old black and white movies, people getting on those. Those are run by the freight rail lines. Think about what happened in that same time frame. We invented jet engines, which meant airlines wow. became a major competitor, and we finished the interstate highway system. Highways. So the railroads that were regulated went to Congress and said, let us out of this because people are now driving more on that interstate we built, and people are starting to fly. 
the federal government, meaning Congress, said, we'll let you out, but it's obvious this country has to have passenger service. They ultimately created Amtrak, and it was obvious that even if you created Amtrak, you couldn't build a system of rail tracks all over the country. So in exchange for being deregulated, Congress made the freight railroads agree that Amtrak has an absolute right to use their tracks. Now, Amtrak has to pay for the, the wear and tear on it, but that's what happened. And so about that time frame is when you know the service went out of business because, frankly, it wasn't going to be profitable in competition with both highways and airlines. You created a perfect segue to my next question, which is about the Gulf Coast passenger lines. Now, after Katrina, service has been interrupted, and there's been a lot of news in the past year about restoration of passenger service between New Orleans and Mobile. But I know that one of the big sticking points is that the railroad that operates those lines does not necessarily want to take on the added burden and expense of accommodating passenger service. What is the status of that project? Well, let me give your your listeners a little background. The Sunset Limited is an Amtrak train that runs on from Los Angeles to Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. And after Katrina, all the rail lines along the Gulf Coast were destroyed in the storm, and that service was put on hold. Now we've said for the last several years, how do we bring that back? Well, being honest about it, we, want, we don't want to bring the old service back because it ran at odd times in the middle of the night and was not very attractive for, for users to use. So we did studies. We talked to the states along the coast, and we said, let's do it in phases. So today you're going to get a train that leaves Mobile in the morning, a train that leaves New Orleans in the morning, and they pass, giving us four trains a day across the Gulf Coast. We've studied the impact of that. There are a lot of people who fly into New Orleans that may want to go to the coast. There are lots of people that live along the coast that want to use Louis Armstrong Airport. That service is scheduled to start in the first quarter of next year. And so, yes, the freights are still having to deal with some issues, But remember, we're using the same lines, but we know that, and we've known it since we started the conversation. So in those cases, we'll build new sidings so one train can pass the other without slowing it down. So we're still very, very much on track, we think, to see that service start in, in, you know, first quarter. The next piece then will be ultimately going from Mobile to Jacksonville, so we restore that service, maybe even... Uh, Mobile to Orlando that would connect America's two great cities. But that's still the next phase of this work. But we still believe that train will actually, you know, start service early next year. And those lines are not related to to this merger, right? Those are owned by a totally different Uh, Those lines belong to CSX and other fine freight railroad. What we've always said in this, and I want to repeat here, is that these projects have to work for both the freight and passenger rail. You have to be sensitive to the fact that the freights own the lines. They do run a business. And so, you know, you have to be sensitive. So any solutions we come up with have to work for both. And building sidings and things to accommodate the ability for trains to pass. Faster moving passenger train can continue going on as the freight pulls over. And we, frankly, the federal government's put up $33 million for that route. And that's been matched dollar for dollar by the three states. So there's funding there for those improvements. And they'll be made over time. Uh, but there's a few issues. Again, Service Transportation Board's got a rule on that. But everybody you talk to feels pretty optimistic that that will roll out in the first quarter. All right. I have two more questions for you. First, you mentioned that in 1969, with the advent of 
federal highways and accessible air travel that we lost a lot of passenger service by rail. What makes 2022 the right time to restore it? Have you driven on I-10 lately? <laughs> you know, we, we kid ourselves, regardless of which city we live in, we sit around and say, well, you know, I can get to, I can get to New Orleans in an hour and a half, or I can get to Baton Rouge in an hour and a half. The truth is, if we're being honest about it, you probably, if you're coming from Baton Rouge, you get somewhere around the airport, and depending on traffic, you could take another 45 minutes to an hour to get to downtown New Orleans. Come toward Baton Rouge from New Orleans, something magic around Prairieville starts backing up with traffic. <laughs> and so I 10 is, you know, just crowded at times. The cost of adding lanes over Lake Pontchartrain and the Bonnie Carey is pretty expensive when you start building elevated bridges across the world. This railroad already exists, it's in place. We don't have to build it, we just have to make the arrangements to use it for passenger service. Everybody will still drive it. And certainly, if we only have one or two routes to start, some people will find it very, very useful. Others won't, but you'll eventually add routes. But the thing about the train is you're not going to have a wreck in front of the train. Car's not going to break down. It's going to be predictable. And even if in the initial days it runs slower than it ultimately will because we've got to improve bridges and things, ultimately, I think people will say, well, I'll take the train. I gave an example of a train that I rode in Florida a while back, and there was a lady sitting across the aisle from me with a laptop, and why she was on the train. She said she was going from West Palm down to Miami to see a client. She was a lawyer, and she said, I can be productive. I'm actually billing two hours of work down there. I see my client. I come back. I bill two hours of work, and it's predictable. She said, I could have driven my car, but I couldn't have done the work, and if there was a wreck or bad weather or something, I might be delayed. I think that's kind of what we're saying here is that there'll always be a place for a car, but there's also a place for a train that can be productive. If you're going to the airport from Baton Rouge to New Orleans, why park your car at the airport? There'll be a connection into Louis Armstrong. I think a lot of people are going to find it very convenient when this actually gets up and starts running. Is this going to be like the subway in New York or the metro in D.C. where someone could live in the suburbs or the exurbs? and use the train as an affordable way to get to and from work every day, just like a commuter option? Well, I think we haven't set the prices. We kind of know that, you know, what we think they'll be, and they'll be very, very affordable. Um, and yes, depending on how long you're going to ride the train. And yes, there will be a station in Gonzales. Um, I think that uh, the cost has got to be competitive, Okay. But what we've also talked about is look at the hundreds of billions of dollars in petrochemical investment between our two cities. What if workers, instead of taking a car, could take the train to a single place, get off the train, have a shuttle provided by industry to take them to their jobs? What if the unemployed in either New Orleans or Baton Rouge might be trained to be pipe fitters or welders? Company then would say, well, we'd hire you, but in many cases, they don't have a car. So this could be a worker's train to take them to those high-paying jobs. I think that a lot of people, for different reasons, are going to do it. There can be tax credits for employers buying tickets. If you live in Baton Rouge, there's eight or 9,000 state employees, many of whom could ride the train and reduce the traffic. If we take hundreds of cars off the interstate, it makes those driving have a more enjoyable experience and reduces congestion. If you care about the climate, every time we take an automobile off the road, it's going to be a greener place and a healthier place for where we live because we're 
between hundreds of people on a train each day. So it's got a lot of advantages, but I think a lot of people in Louisiana haven't ridden a train. They don't know what that experience is. And I think once we start, people will experiment with it. And I think a lot of people will ultimately find, particularly when we start increasing the number of round trips, that it will be very usable and a nice alternative. If I come to see a Saints game, I have to park my car down there, but I could take the train. And as you know, the station is about a block and a half from the Superdome. So whether I'm coming to a concert or a Saints game, I wouldn't deal with traffic. Why would I? I'd just catch the train, ride it back home. It would be very, very convenient. So is it safe to say that this Canadian Pacific Kansas City Southern merger or acquisition isn't something that South Louisiana controlled or lobbied for, but will ultimately benefit from? I think that's well put, yes. Um, We didn't know, first of all, years ago that KCS would be put up for sale. Obviously, we had no way of predicting who would be the ultimate uh, owner of that line. And again, it's subject to a final decision from the Surface Transportation Board. But to find a partner who has a record of working with Amtrak in a very positive way to provide passenger service in other parts of the country, I think is our good fortune. And I think it, as I said earlier, it's the last piece of this conversation that we've now got a partner we can sit down with and start talking about how we work together. And there's still lots of questions to be answered, but all the players now have been identified and all of them have expressed interest in working together. And that includes our members in Congress and Senator Cassidy was you know, critical in the passing of the infrastructure bill. So we do think the stars are aligned. It's also true to say we still have a lot more work to do. But we now know who the players are, and we ought to take advantage of that. Well, it sounds very exciting, and I look forward to seeing more news in the coming weeks and months. John Spain, thank you for sharing your wisdom. Always a pleasure. I look forward to riding on the train with you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.